0: Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin.
1: Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I am so excited to be with Tamara Blankenship today. And we are going to talk about... Everything that's going on that so many of you have written in, posted on my social media, talking about the struggles that you have with everything. Everything from grocery shopping to, will my kids be in school? Is it safe to go out? What's going on with these communities? Is the gym going to be in existence tomorrow? Will I have a job? You know, run the gamut. Everything, everyone is affected by something Somehow every day, and guess what? that can change tomorrow and it can be a whole new cluster of things we have to deal with. So I've brought Tamara Blankenship on because I think there's nothing better than advice from do-it-all successful single moms who raise their kids not to be serial killers, not that anybody raises serial killers, (laughs) but you know we've done something right. You know we're successful in business, our children are successful, whatever success means to them, not my identification of success, success. But when you're successful, when you're happy, when you've got the things that you need, and you have the ability to chase your dreams and, and live the pursuit of happiness, I think we're doing okay. So that's our ground work level here. And I want to talk to you, Tamara, because the people writing into my shows are struggling. And they're struggling with a lot of things. And I know you know that struggle because those struggles are very similar to that of a single mom or that of someone struggling with cancer or all of the above.
2: Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me join you here on the show. I'm so grateful for the time and the space. Um, And I love the work that you're doing. How beautiful is that? So thank you for all that you do. Really, in this time, I feel like we're all abuzz about three specific topics and i think one's not completely hit yet because a lot of this has been guarded by our government through this issue <laughs> so what i'm talking about is this 2020 all the the plethora of struggles that we've been hitting as a culture as a community And uh, I've been kind of talking about this being more of a reboot time, an opportunity to change and shift perspective. Instead of seeing COVID as this restriction where you can't do things, where you're limited and you are fearful of getting sick. You know, Black Lives Matter, which is an important mission for so many to have a voice. And the way we treat each other, shifting that into a bigger awareness of how we have compassion and empathy for the fellow human, you know, just being empathetic and compassionate. And even if we go back a little bit further into the um, women's movement that happened a couple of years ago, it was all about the same energy of lost voice and feeling, you know, passed by or, or overtaken, you know, by other circumstances. So I think it's a beautiful time where we're really looking at how we treat each other and really respecting that from a new platform And also the one that I see coming, not until like really, I think it's more around Christmas time, we're really gonna be hitting this, or I should say holiday time, we're gonna be more impacted by this is our financial stance. I think, I think we're going to start to really feel a lot of the job loss because of COVID and the restrictions and and the ability to, um, or the inability to get the things that we need because of financial restrictions of being unemployed, or maybe you were struck by sickness because of COVID or, you know, whatever, whatever circumstance happened in your life. And so I, instead of looking at this really doom and gloom 2020, what a nightmare, I still go along the belief as it being a clear vision year. It's a purging year. I see it as this really transformational time mm-hmm. where we're starting to be more mindful about our health, about the way we treat each other and how we use our money. And I really would love people to feel more inspired by this period instead of feeling the restriction and the limitation, but a reframe a real opportunity to do something so different for yourself and be more focused on not just the I perspective and how it affects me, but the more we concept of how I can do something to make life easier for others. Maybe you're frustrated about wearing those masks. You know, a lot of us probably speak a lot about how frustrating it is to wear the masks and you feel like you can't breathe or you're suffocating. But you're doing this beautiful thing for someone else, someone you don't even know. What a great sacrifice you're doing. And you're creating a space of safety for others. So I always look at what, what can I do to create a safe space for the people around me? And I think it's so important to be mindful of
1: that. Well I think it is. You know, I've I've lived all over the world and one of the things that I found particularly funny and I'll just say it is this concept of masks being somehow a bad thing. You know, I worked a lot in Japan for many years and mm. in Japan you wear a mask as a courtesy when you have a cold. It has nothing to do with personal freedoms, nothing to do with anything other than I don't want to make my spouse sick. I don't want to make the people that I ride on the public transportation sick. I don't want to make my coworkers sick. Nobody gets up in the morning saying, wow, I can't wait to infect Tamara and Sandra. (laughs) It's just, you know, sometimes our thinking can get so off. And I think, you know, when you talk about this reset and this reboot, I used to tell my kids, we'd love to watch the original movie Independence Day. You know, where the aliens come to earth and, you know, Bill, you know, gets up and he's like, you know, this is the first time in human history that we're fighting to survive. And he talks about, (laughs) we're not fighting each other. We're fighting annihilation. And I would always say to the kids, you know, our planet is so messed up with, you know, the issues between countries, with the raping of the resources, with how we're treating each other. I said, you know, this is what I see. It's going to take an alien invasion to get us to wake up and realize we're all one. And I love that you're talking about that. You know, it's so so funny. Simon Sinek was just
2: mentioning this the other day. He posted about how we're talking about the global warming. It's not global, and I love his phrase. It's literally climate cancer. It's such a great term. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that term. It's sick. <laughs> it is. We're not being mindful of what we're doing, and it does affect us. We may, you know, yes, global warming's more in the future, and I get why people don't associate or connect to that, but really, we have a responsibility to our fellow man, to the planet, to so our children, extra. and how yeah. about
1: to ourselves? You know, yes. we don't want to walk out and fry <laughs> like a chicken. You know, we want to be able to drink water that's not full of antibiotics. I mean, if you don't right? do it for anyone else, you can do it for yourself. And Or popping you know, 50 pills just
2: to get through the day because your food is so depleted because the soil has no nutrition, right? I mean, you're literally talking about <laughs> the, the exhaustion of our planet. Yes.
1: And it's people. Yeah. Yeah, That's the thing like when you're not caring for your fellow man when you're not mindful of you know I took a lot of flack um before my youngest son did this project in school Tamara I have Mm -hmm. a thing with plastic, like when stuff comes in plastic bags, I have this plastic pizza or um, what do you call it? Pretzel tub. You know, one of those big barrels Uh and I stuff the bags and stuff, the bags in it, stuff, the bags in it. Then when I go to the grocery store, I take that barrel and I unload it in the recycle. And, you know, (laughs) I've been doing that for even before recycling was cool. And my kids would give me a hard time. They're like, oh my God, mom, you're like the junk collector. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no. this, this is water. Like This is air. This is energy. All this stuff had to be used to make this. And then my little guy, he had a project to do. Now, we I live in a gated community in Southern California with 600 homes. So what he had to do was go door to door to 20 homes and ask the moms roughly to count how many of these plastic bags they use. And those bags were like the bags that fruit goes in, the bags our groceries go in, the Ziploc mm-hmm. bags all bags. And it turned out to be some astronomical thing of like a hundred bags a week per family. Isn't that crazy? You know well, what's
2: amazing about this is we're so obsessed with sanity, but or with uh, sanitation, not sanity, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but you're right. It's like we, we go
1: overboard. Like right. It. So we. So let's say yeah. an average family uses four hundred different types of plastic bags of every size a month. This is a nuclear family, two kids, two adults, roughly. Times mm-hmm. six hundred homes. Amazing. So that's one month use times twelve, and I can't even remember the math. I'm going to pull up my phone right now, you know, and and literally do the math on that because it's literally six hundred times 400 times 12. So if my phone would cooperate, I'd give you those numbers, but you get the point. How many, um, how many plastic bags that's used in a calendar year? It's
2: so at 24, gosh, I'm trying to do math. In There's my a head reason right I'm Isn't in that sad? Not... <laughs> All right, here we
0: go. We're so, struggling
1: with everyday simple so math. 400 bags <laughs> times 600 homes times 12, means that we use 7.2 million bags in a calendar year. Like some crazy number like that.
2: Isn't that incredible? Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, that. I'm sorry. I'm just digesting that. You know, like I, I'm, I'm, my kids think I'm a little nuts because I always have a backpack on me. Sorry, right, 2.88
1: 8 million, but still.
2: 2.8 million still. <laughs> yeah. I have a backpack everywhere I go. So I'm always, instead of like, checking out at the grocery store with bags. I put it in my backpack and then I unload my backpack (laughs) at the grocery store. So it's, it's, I've totally get this. Like, I I just, I personally can't even, it's an intense, like just even that process of grabbing those bags to me. I'm more of a less is more kind of personality. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, I just always been in that mindset of just, I, I really don't want to deal with it. Is that terrible? It's like I don't want to be lazy. I'm I'm lazy in that way. I don't want to go and have to take the bags to the grocery store. So good for you
1: for being that girl. Well, you know, I have you a, you, know, you replenish it. Bad. You know, I've got dogs. I've got kids. I've got my brother who was living here for a while. I mean, there's a lot of you know people. Yeah, who a lot of people feed. But the whole mm-hmm. point was the the yeah. mindfulness. Like if I said to Absolutely. you, Pamela, you throw away almost a hundred thousand bags a year in your household. Amazing. And that's not unreasonable. And then you look at some parents who are like, hey, they get the Ziploc with the snack bag, the Ziploc with this, you know, and we're taught so much about, you know, use gloves, use masks, disposable, disposable, disposable. So you accurate. Know, where is all this stuff going to go? Well, do you even notice, I don't know if you guys have seen this, you know, you
2: see all the masks sitting on the street because people drop their masks or they drop their gloves. And it's, we're just it sounds mean to say we're just sloppy humans. <laughs> we're just, I don't know what that is. We're so anal and sterile about certain elements and certain behaviors, but then other parts we just kind of go. Yeah. We'll just pollute the earth. You
1: yeah. <laughs> just leave a trail. What I think, is, I think that, you know, this is the universal oneness slap that I call it. Like, you yeah. know, the whole universe is coming and, and slapping everybody at the same time because I agree there's not you. one person that's immune to all of this. Like you may not have Black Lives Matter affect you. You may not have Me Too affect you. You may even not have COVID affect you, but you can't go to the grocery store and get everything you want. You can't go to the gym in some states, you know, all of these things. So no one is exempt from this. That's what's so beautiful about it. To me, that's like,
2: that's the beauty. that's exactly why I'm like, we're having to be forced to go in. I spend a lot of time talk- talking with corporate America and, and helping people adjust from being in an office setting, going into now working from home and their transition was pretty fun because it was oh. like, they were very resistant to it. You know, they didn't want to, uh, you know, they need the social aspect. They want to see their friends or they, you know, not even just, just coworkers, you know, just engaging and And getting up and asking a question now as a phone call or hopping on a Zoom call and feeling that Zoom call fatigue where, you know, after being on Zoom all day, you feel depleted. And it's a lot of focused energy. You know, we have to be very focused. And, you know, how do you replenish that? And so it's been quite exciting to support people and having them shift their, you know, the way they do everyday life. Like you're saying, with like even the simple gestures of the bag, could you maybe put like five vegetables in one bag? Right. You know, how
1: about this? they'll be okay. You've got to wash them when you get home. Anyway. You put them in the cart and you can put them on the belt. They don't have to be in a bag. Like, especially if you only have two right. avocados or... One tomato. <laughs> well, and
2: sometimes you're even throwing out the wrapper, like an avocado. You don't even eat the avocado. So that's sitting in the bottom of your cart is okay. And you know what? It's actually kind of a cool thing is it's kind of forcing some of our businesses to be more sterile. Like, let's think about it. The ghost carts, they have to wash them now. Right. How great is that? Great like, is that's that? a good thing. You know, like there's little subtle differences that I think that are being impacted in a beautiful way. Um, even in restaurants, you know the the, the need for more sanitation. and Washing your hands every, between every meal is a great reminder of staying healthy. You know, some of these things are not wrong. No, you know, they're very and, and things your parents told you when you were a kid. You have to do. You know? right. wash your hands and you wash know. your hands. That discipline. Oh darn that discipline. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's a great reminder. I do think we have been. Um, put into fear. I do believe a lot of this is extreme, you know, um, you know, it's important to be mindful. But I do. I feel there is a sense of fear and anxiety where people are being I work in heavily in communication and anxiety and depression. So those are my kind of, you know, spaces I navigate all day long. And uh watching people go through high levels of anxiety and it's stopping their ability to function. I wish we stopped using the term social distancing and use the term physical distancing right. because social distancing is actually creating a lot of depression. Domestic violence in Arizona has gone up 75%. Sure. Incredible. Right? I bet
1: it's that way everywhere because you've got, suicide's no gone up.
2: Everything
1: households. has. Yes. And suicide
2: has definitely gone up. So there's a lot of loss of, and depression is lack of expression and anxiety is fear of the future. So when you get those two guys together, you are totally going down a path of, uh, you know, self-sabotage and limiting beliefs that block you from really deep, you know, opportunities. So meditation is like an amazing thing to do right now. If you don't have a practice, you know, start focused on that breath, <laughs> you know, or just even if it's five YouTube. minutes a day.
1: On one. Like right. that's for me, I, I have a, I have focus issues. So I had a hard time with that, but I can go to YouTube, put on my headphones and listen, like anybody can do that.
2: And you know what, there's some great mind map, brainwave music out there that'll help you actually rest and replenish your body so that your actual body is able to, you know, serve itself better. So it's really, there's a lot of amazing tools out there for free that can provide some great, you know, healing. Yeah, immensely relief. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's, you have more power in your fingertips nowadays than you ever did in any time. So if we were going to have this happen, this is the perfect time to have something like this happen.
1: We just have so much available to us. Well, and that's a big thing. Like, I want to talk about some of this stuff because, you know, when people have to work home, I've been a work at home mom. I've been a stay at home mom. I've been a full time out of the house working mom, you know, 16 years of motherhood or 17 years now of motherhood, you know, gave me all those opportunities. And I'll just say it, it is so much easier most of the time to go to work. Yeah. because you get your lunch hour most of the time you know you get an structure. Hour, Right, you have structure I go into my office and I don't have my kids running in and hanging on me every minute of the day I don't have the pressures of my house part of my motherhood when I'm in the office and then you get that deconstruct time you can go and oh, you the- mean
2: you mean you actually need space? You need time? You mean you actually? <laughs> right, right. Everyone, when you work from home, you know you're not really working. <laughs>
1: right. Well, that's I used to be like 16 years ago. People were saying like I was kind of the experimental hybrid freak because I was in technology and I'm working from home, but I'm a full time executive, and that people couldn't understand it. And in my neighborhood, the moms would just stop by, and I'm like, I don't mean to no, hurt no, your no. feelings but I, yeah. I just can't have you stop by. I'm working and they go, Oh yeah. You know, like that. that <laughs> oh yeah. Even 10 minutes instead
2: of 20, you know, like, <laughs> right. But then I wasn't
1: welcomed in the full-time working community. Cause I would go out for a drink with friends after work who are working in a job and I would show up there and I'm like, and they'd be like, Oh yeah, you're working. Because I wasn't really yeah. working, because I'm not in an office. And I'm like, wait a minute, I have a 5,000 square foot house. One third of it is designed to my sound studio and my programming office. And I Got may it. not get in a freeway and go, but I walk down the hallway, granted, in my PJs a lot, but I <laughs> do work, or I'm dressed from the top up, you know?
2: Yeah but you have a lot more at work that you actually have to get done. This is the one thing I think entrepreneurship and, you know, work from at home people don't, you know, that do have that outside people don't understand if you work a real, you know, a, a brick and mortar job. Um, the difference is that you actually have to self-motivate, which is a lot more difficult. You have to quantify your time
1: to pay and that motivates you every day.
2: That'll work too. Right. (laughs) But you have to quantify your time. You actually have to kind of be the bad guy. And a lot of the times putting boundaries down with your kids and saying things like, Hey, I know you matter, but
1: right now, This has to pay the bills, and they're not getting that. They're not going to understand Well, why do you see – can you see in the back here in my junked-up office, there's literally – I have an on-air sign, and I have an extension cord, and I put it out my door in my sound studio, and that – I just plug it in, and even when the kids were little, they knew if that sign was lit, they can't come in. You know, we better have a – like. The, my favorite stuff. The house must be in fire if you're cutting in this door. <laughs> well, the kids used a robotic car. You know those little like oh, things, and they funny. put a note on it, and they would drive it down the hallway, and then drive it in my Aww. office, and you know to try to get some information to me. But you know, realistically, Sweet. how creative, right? You're it. you you don't have those distractions in an office. You have other things. But I guarantee you, most people have never had. Their boss and their secretary come in the room in a fight while they're trying to pee. Like, (laughs) that's so true. (laughs) Things that happen when you work at home. I have two boys, they're fighting with each other. You know, I'm trying to do something. And, you know, I did provide childcare when my kids were small, but everything requires adjustment. And there is no golden, there's no perfect solution. There's just perfect moments.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you do need to cherish all that shows up because the only value there is those, those moments, right? Where you really have some unique experiences with memories, right? I mean, this isn't what life all about. Just these amazing, precious memories. It would never change being an at-home working mom of three, watching my kids to be able to be the, you know, I, I had the flexibility, which is one of those gifts about working for yourself. Yep. Is getting a chance to be the room mom still, even though you're working full time, getting an opportunity to be the, the football mother. And, you know, and that's why you do it, you know, but you also have to make up for that, right? You, you make it work. You make the time valuable. You make it precious. So
1: I do, I agree with you. It's well, super I took a job in London of all places, living in Los Angeles
0: hmm.
1: because I could go to work at, three in the morning and be done by nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, take a nap and get up. I did this for four years and get up when my kids get home from school, two 3 30, and I can go to soccer. I can go to ballet. I can go to dance. I can watch their. You know, I, I helped the swim team. I was their conditioning coach, Mm -hmm. like all these things. Now, did I live a unique day? Of course I did. Mm -hmm. You know, and it meant working sometimes from midnight to three and then doing my work day, making sure the kids get to school, finish up my work day and then go to sleep for four hours in the middle of the day. So could you
2: imagine, you know, you and I have gone through quite, uh, you know, at our time, a lot of our friends were working in the. The normal standard of, of working environment, so or they were lovely to have this opportunity to be a stay at home mom and not have to work, which is a huge privilege too. So you know, and, and hardworking, I'm not minimizing right. anybody. Nobody just claps different. That mom no, who takes no. Out. yeah, she doesn't
1: no. get a bonus for making a cake.
2: <laughs> no, no, not saying that they're you know not valued for what they did too. Their sacrifices were just different. And uh, what I what I think is interesting nowadays, I just want to speak to the moms who are in those spaces doing it now. My children are. My oldest, my youngest is now literally 16 years old driving herself. Things are a little bit more simple. Life is a little <laughs> nicer, you know, <laughs> but my oldest one's off in the air force. So, you know, like get the, the contrast, right? But you, you really do re- have to have empathy for these moms who are working at home, who have children going through COVID, who are now learning to homeschool. I, two of my children actually went through online schooling. So they actually chose to, because they were very ambitious and had their own YouTube channels and other things. So they had outside interests, so they couldn't go to the normal school hours, which is crazy, right? You know, <laughs> modifying your ch- children's education based on their talents is a very interesting thing to do, but it's good. And it gives them self motivation to do things. So these moms these days having to, you know, if they're doing the homeschooling route or not even homeschooling, online schooling route where they're going to school because they can't, they don't want to put them in public school with all the COVID and all the stuff. Or they're like
1: forced to have distance learning because their school district closed, like Los Angeles. Right.
2: And, and look at all the different, now, and, and this to me, okay, this, I'm going to kind of be controversial here for just a minute. I'm not a big believer that our school system is what fits the society that we have growing nowadays. It was, it was perfect for the time when we went into factory jobs and we had to like show that kind of focus. Nowadays, we have a totally different business industry going on and we need to kind of modify our schooling systems to match our industry so that we can actually make them more successful. So I'm kind of a, a rebel when it comes to this kind of topic, it's evolutionary. <laughs> it has to happen. So I'm kind of thinking COVID's kind of another gift in that space because it totally forced people to kind of evolve in the way that it, business is being done these days. Yes. So I do kind of love that online schooling is a thing. But I also recognize it's gotta be a struggle for a lot of the parents who are used to letting their children go off to school and be like, okay, now I can focus on my job, or I can go do what the things I normally had to do when the kids were busy at school. So I get this big, huge sacrifice and the discipline change and the shift. But I wanna speak one element to this because I found when my children were doing the homeschooling and it was by their own choice. So a lot of, every child learns differently. So, you know, it was very convenient that it worked good for my kids. And I want to speak to those parents who are struggling with children who are having a hard time staying focused in school because they don't learn that way, which is really really difficult because it's very dif- a very big challenge for you know parents who are trying to you know keep their kids engaged in school still because the desire to learn is a big lifelong journey. It's not sure. just the years of school, right? So what I used to do, and I had one child that's a little bit more fidgety and a little bit more, I guess, on the ADD perspective type style. I really kind of Anti that whole thing, but not that I'm. I just don't think everyone has it. It's just my thing. So anyway, I do believe that you know when you have that the fidgetiness, the excitement, you have to change their perspective. You know, giving them a stand-up desk and letting them stand for part of school and sitting down sometimes. Maybe they work on the couch or maybe they work in their bedroom. Allowing them to move about keeps them engaged in their learning, and it was so powerful for me as my child. Instead of trying to force him to do it my way and giving him the permission to do it his way, but to get it done, we were more impactful in his education. And I cannot tell you how, I mean, he's super brilliant. Anyway, it was, it was definitely part of the reason he was more on that aspect was because he was, everything was so easy for him. It was, you know, hard to keep his focus. So, but now he's doing robotics at, you know, in the air and, you know, really pursuing his dreams. And so for me, it's like if you can allow a child to be their expressive self and allow them to be playful with their learning and engaged that way, you might find you're not having to push so hard. And uh, I just want to say that during this time that we're struggling so hard with trying to adjust to all these changes, maybe a little letting go and letting a child control some of the environment is a gift and giving them the tools to be successful.
1: Maybe kind of play
2: with that. You know, and I
1: can tell you, uh, you know, four or five years ago, friends of mine in the Air Force, um, they were deployed to Okinawa. And when they were coming back for a visit, they decided to stop at the Great Barrier Reef and do some diving. Mm -hmm. Well, she fell and broke her hip with her dive belt on. She needed to have a full hip. Reconstruction and a knee reconstruction in Australia. Uh, Well, the dad had to report back to Okinawa, and then their son, who was the same age and was the one of the best friends of one of my sons, he's like, "I want to go live with Miss Sandra." So, you know, military transport, knock, knock, knock in the middle of the night. Here he comes in his backpack. Thank (laughs) God he was the same size, so they could share clothes. This this poor kid goes, you know, from from Okinawa to Southern California and. He plus my younger son would ramp each other up. Both of them were the same. <laughs> you know, they both had a lot of energy. They both had focus yeah. issues. You have to off each other. Focus. Yeah. Yep. And so the simplest thing was told to me by our principal because at that point we had to help him catch up a lot because the Japanese school system is very different from the American school district or system, even on, on yes. base. Right. So <laughs> he had to do this extra homework after school, and I would help mm. him with it. And I would be like, Come on, you have to do your homework before you play. And Mrs. Freeman said to me, She goes, No, you have it backwards.
2: Yeah, She's like, Get his energy out.
1: <laughs> he, yeah, he needs to go play. So my little one and he would go and bounce on the trampoline. They do cannonballs in the pool. Mm-hmm. And there's a point to all this. They come in and do their homework, but When I started programming for long lengths of time and doing my radio business for long lengths of time, my foot's going, jiggle, 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 jiggle. My arm's going. I'm like, I literally cannot sit still that long. So even as a fully functioning, successful adult, you can tell me I'm all, you know, from my shower. I'm rolling a stone in my hand. Okay. Isn't that funny? I'm high functioning energy.
2: I have learned to, to function in a way that is more slow, more compassionate. But I do, I keep something moving in my hands so that my energy is continuing to flow. The part, here's the problem. And this is why I'm saying I have this issue with ADD is it's not a dis, it's not a dysfunction. No. And and this is the problem I have with our society. We label these things and, and call them as not normal. The truth is it's powerful stuff. ADD is a powerful tool when funneled properly.
1: Exactly. And so
2: it, unfortunately in our society, a lot of the times we label dyslexia inappropriately. Like dyslexia just means you see things differently. Or my like kids with
1: Asperger's, you know, that right, there is, you go. There you that's go. their
2: gift. It's their talent. And so when we make it wrong, we live to the limit of that. We block ourselves from our potential. And so what I have always said, and this is why I kind of made that comment about school and about about you know ADD. It's not that I'm against school. I think we need a standard. We need a structure. We need to have systems for those who need that. We also need to embrace the super talents of all different kinds of skill sets, not conform and push them to be different, but allow them to be different and let them be expansive in it and playful with it. And so I have all my life literally struggled with trying to fit in, make sure that I you know, live up to, my mother used to say, gosh, Tamara, you work 360 times harder than anybody else just to be average. And you still come up with a C or a lower because this structure of school didn't work for me. But when I came out of school, I studied the most crazy topics because I'm passionate about it. I love neuroscience. I love psychology. I love, you know, Tibetan study philosophy and I am all about it. But if you had given me that in school, I probably would have been like hungry for it all the time but unfortunately that's not the way most environments are sculpted right so we don't gear our education necessarily to a child's talents but we try to make them conform to the needs of the standard and sometimes that blocks the potential so it's it's kind of a you know um you know rebellious attitude but really an abundant attitude because it's really tapping into everyone's gifts and their strengths to be so powerful and And not create that, you know. I I almost feel like this whole thing about um, the inclusiveness, you know, how everyone gets a trophy, you know, that whole inclusive behavior.
1: Here's your ninth place trophy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So here's my deal with this, and you're gonna laugh, and maybe you agree with this. So we'll see how you feel about this. I almost feel like we have made normal exceptional when it should be the gifts of abnormal is what is valued because that's what makes the world go round. You know, like we shouldn't all be the same, but we should be like hired for jobs because of our talents, not because of, you know, we met match quota, you know, like I, and it's kind of rebellious for me to even speak about that, but I do feel like we are missing the treasures of hidden talents. If we learn to see the skill sets of the individual and help support them versus trying to make their weaknesses stronger, what are we doing? It's so backwards. It's like, We all have our weaknesses. We all have our strengths. Why not feed the strengths so that they can be more powerful and independent and strong and confident and not ignorant and not arrogant and and aggressive and taking mentality? Because when we feed the soul, its beauty and its gifts and potential, that fosters this connection and love and depth. Of value. Unfortunately, we are so busy going, well, you know, the shame sneaks in. I'm not good at this. And so I need to work harder at making that happen. And, you know, we focus
1: on the wrong goal here, you know. Because you can't standardize human behavior. You can't standardize (laughs) talents. You know, as much as we want to standardize things, and there's a need for standards, there's a need for standardization, but it doesn't yes. apply to every situation. And, you know, when we, you I know. I think we stay in standards
2: too long, don't you? I mean, we, we have to like have standards, but we stay there too long.
1: Well, the question is, is what are you measuring? You know, to have yeah. the standards of values, of integrity, of courage, of things like that, that's one set of really good standards that we could measure by. But to have a standard of going, we know there's five or six different traditional ways of learning. You know, we've got auditory learners, we've got visual learners, we've got kinesthetic learners. We, we all know all this stuff, but our standardized school system, and that's why I love in some respects that it's kind of been blown up by COVID, Yeah, it gives us an opportunity to, to try up, different right to create something new yes. to, and I just want to touch on because I, I have this thing about ninth place ribbons okay <laughs> and I took a lot of heat in my when my kids started soccer because everybody gets a trophy and I said well what are they getting a trophy for I'm like some kids showed up and laid on a blanket like you're really going to give a kid a trophy?" <laughs> for that and the showing up award showing up award right the showing up award, or or sitting there and breathing award and yeah (laughs) i get that our our society values and rewards only a very small segment of the population on a very small segment of things but that doesn't mean we slingshot to the other side and reward children for everything because one of the things that is woefully motivate
2: when we do that
1: well, we not only demotivate, but we actually hurt and cripple our children because we do not teach them resilience. You know, no. when you win or lose, there is resiliency built. When you try for something and you don't succeed, you don't get a trophy Because why would you ever try again? Why would you keep improving? So we actually lose continual improvement and we lose resiliency training. And that's one of the things like I get on my kids all the time because they're that digital generation. And I love that Amazon now is doing Thursday delivery in one neighborhood, Friday delivery in another neighborhood. Because they have so conditioned the consumer and our children in this digital age of immediacy. You want well, I was about to
2: say yeah, yeah. I was just comes- about to say immediate gratification is the biggest illness we have right now. Um, it's because nobody knows how to go out and earn it or value it or build it or create it. They're just impatient, you know. and, we and it's not really the
1: resilience to mm-hmm. handle things. When mm-hmm. they go wrong, when they don't arrive, when you can't have digital, you know, with everybody hogging up the internet now, it used to be just tech people, now it's everybody. So you've got all these people going, Well, if I don't have something or someone entertaining me every minute of the day, what do you think that does to a population when you have no resiliency, you have no skill set to go? What else could I do? And I say to my kids, the internet goes down. You would think it was like apocalyptic in my house, you know, because the TVs, I have a smart house. TVs don't work. The, you know, everything has to go manual. I have to go and, you know, move the pool valves myself because I can't use my digital panel to do it. But the funny thing about that is I love when the power goes out. I love when the digital goes out. The unplug. 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 Because yeah. where can you, you can't every You cannot go to the grocery store or the the gas station and not have digital media thrown at you. Screens are everywhere.
2: Well, you know it's so fascinating about this topic. So I, I shared with you. I've kind of been in. I've studied Tibetan study for a number of years. So for me, everything is about surrender and acceptance, mm-hmm. and finding a piece of um, resonance with any situation that's happening at any given moment, and so. The, the idea, I, I take my kids camping a lot because I need them to be able to, to cope. If right. anything does happen, I need to know that not only did I teach you to survive, but not to freak out and not be in that I perspective, that taker mentality and really kind of give them an resilience. opportunity.
1: Resilient, you're, you're literally doing resilience training in your camping to go, you know what, What happens if you don't have digital? What else can you do? Yeah.
2: They need to learn to preoccupy or self-soothe is the way I call it. Self-soothing, self Co- coping. Yeah. Coping skills. Really our, our society is deficient on two things in this um, younger generation. And I love my baby Z's, but they, um, the baby Z generation is really precious, but even the, you know, the baby Y's, they are, they're not babies anymore, <laughs> but the, the Y generation, um, they, the, the, Their ability to be able to process information is fast. They are able to process faster. But as far as coming up with strategy around communication, like eye contact, um, social skills, like supporting someone in time of need, um, coping with uh, diversity, um, they're the most able to see all as one. They can see the inclusiveness, but they don't know how to navigate conflict. And conflict is is kind of a and I mean right now we live in a very guarded world with our internet and our technology. I mean we see it on Facebook all the time, you know, where people say such hurtful things that they would never say to somebody Oh right. It's, it's amazing. Or they will put out pictures of their body and they would never walk around naked, but they would right. do it on the internet. You know, <laughs> like...
0: Well, that's because there's
2: Photoshop. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. But, you know, it is, it is so funny. So it is really interesting how we have desensitized. And I do blame a little bit of this in our culture around, and I'm not going to say Hollywood, but our exposure to our media and the shock factor. I'm blaming social yep. media more for this because, you know, a lot of our you know, the, the self famed people come from being more shocking. And the more shocking you are, the more publicity you get. So, you know, and this may have started with the news. It may have started with Hollywood. It may have, but, but kids have now, because of the ability to have the cell phone in our hands and have our camera anywhere we want, we've created our own desensitization. And it is really kind of a scary time for them because they are That generation is our heartfelt generation. We are the heady generation. We're the ones who collected the knowledge, put them into the computers. We're the ones who did the research and, you know, put these systems in place. They're the ones who get to experience it. So they're more heartfelt. They get to experience it. They're here to learn emotion and really strengthen the emotion. And it's the hardest thing for them because everything in the world is instant gratification and technology-based. So they don't have to interact. They have an option to not. And, you know, marriage...
1: It's all head centered, not heart centered.
2: Well, yes. Okay. So their, their job is to connect to their hearts. They are actually more EQ evolved. They actually have a lot of empathy for each other. Problem is the, the barrier is social communication. They don't have that, that connective ability because they're so guarded um, and bullying has gotten so extreme, you know, the the ability to sneaky bu- bully is, you know, bullying by social media is just so much more easier accessible nowadays than back when we were growing up, it was, you know, real quick, intense, but it was real quick and it was, over. and it
1: was public, you know, it was, it happened in the lunchroom. It happened in the locker room. Right. You know, so this is
2: not life changing for the rest of your life. You're no. This.
1: And it's not, you know, somebody can make fun of you in the locker room and maybe three, five, 15 people at most hear it. You know, my son recently, right. this girl on TikTok, you know, I'm not going to name names, but she started doing these ugly, awful TikTok mm. videos with yeah. horrible songs that say like, I hate you. You're a loser. You know, I'm going to disconnect or you, whatever the word is that they use, you know, oh, out mm-hmm. this person, whatever. Yeah, and then putting all these things down, you know, and my son is, you know, he's 13 and I'm sure he wasn't perfect. You know, I, I'm not mm-hmm. one of those moms that think my kids are perfect, but no kid deserves like 10 videos with their name tagged in them on TikTok, yeah, this is
2: what I was talking about. Yeah. All
1: of his friends, you know, he came in, he's like, Mom, what did I do? He's like, I just, I helped her with her math homework and now she's calling me a miscommunication. Loser. Yeah. It's,
2: a, and, but it's it amazing.
1: 1,300 kids in our school district. Like the difference between 13 kids in your gym class, you know, in the locker room, somebody bullying you, and now you're bullied in front of 1,300 kids in your school. Like, the magnitude of that, and there's nothing, so intense. there's nothing a parent can do, you know, contacted yeah. TikTok, I turned it in, I said, this is cyberbullying, and they're like, well, there's cyberbullying, these, an artistic expression, and I'm like, how is tagging my kid in a video that says I'm going to out you, you know, yeah,
2: this is definitely an abuse of power as far as our children have gotten way too they they lead with their rage and a lot of it comes from and I and this is this is why I study what I study. This is a lot of this lost voice issue. This child is a lost voice and she has found her power against a what she believes, someone who took her power from her. And and the truth is nobody takes our power, we give it up. Give it and away, she right. right, and so she unfortunately is using this experience, which later on, and and this is the, the sad, honest truth is later on, she will create so much damage. It'll, it'll karma happens. I'm sorry, but karma does. It all comes full circle. And I remember my daughter went through a bullying issue and I said, you know what, sweetheart, we all get to get bullied. Unfortunately, nobody comes through this world without somebody picking on somebody. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a humbling experience and it should be, but some people get a little more aggressive with it than others. And so you have to forgive the experience because unfortunately, if you continue to feel the story, you're giving it more fuel and that right. keeps it alive. So we have to kind of come to a peace or terms with understanding that this person's very lost and they're very bitter and they may go on for years. I had actually got, I personally had been bullied by a competitor for 10 years. She took two of my companies down wow. and, and it is a, and I was a single mom going through divorce. This was like yeah. <laughs> Very humbling experience. And you know what I learned from it is I became more empathetic to somebody somebody's desire to pretend to be so many different fake people to take somebody else's business down. It to me really what it what I learned about it and what and it really never really took I shouldn't say took my business down because it really never did. What happened was I had to navigate a lot of negativity mm-hmm. and a lot of contrast. And I learned the art of being neutral, no matter how many times she would target me, yep. I learned the gifts of neutral communication. And so part of her gift to me was being this constant hurdle of anger to overcome. And it was done publicly. Very intense and very, um, very, very, uh, yeah, very intense. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. But yeah. But what I, what I learned from it is, no matter what, and I, and I can't believe that it lasted as long as it did, because I really refused to participate. I say, I understand, thank you for sharing. You know, just kept on, thank you for sharing, thank you for sharing. Totally understand, thank you for sharing. And it was so fascinating, because a couple years later, after it had finally ended, she finally fizzled, fizzled out, somebody actually posted that had been part of the the experience with me watching, said that was the most graceful, elegant thing. I never heard you once lash back or get angry. She's like, I'm sure you were crying in your pillow every night going to bed, wishing this would end. But it was so beautiful to witness someone being beaten up like that on a daily basis and never hide, never give up, never support, stop supporting others
1: to and continue to try to back.
2: persevere. And not yeah, no, back. I knew better not to lash back. Well, well, but
1: lashing back is about you. Like, you don't want it to make someone, like, you know, I went through a very ugly, messy divorce and I never lashed back. I never publicly, you know, said anything, even though the new wife and the, the husband and their ch- subsequent family, you know, yeah. would post on my shows. They post negative oh. feedbacks. She's so not. You more. have the
2: same thing I had.
1: <laughs> well, and the thing is, when it's happening to you, yeah. You think like, I remember what my mom used to say. My older brother used to pick on me and she's like, well, just don't react and he'll stop. But like after the second year, you're like. 10 years later. Yeah.
2: No, right, I totally get what you're is saying. This is
1: stop. And that's, I think when I had the epiphany that this has nothing to do with me. You had nothing because to I'm them. not exactly reacting. What I like I'm not fueling anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to work. I'm doing my job. You know, I, I'm I'm raising the kids. I'm soul supporting Tamra. I'm not even yeah. dealing with child support or spousal support or anything. It's like I'm just done. See the kids when you want. Don't care. You know. Yeah. So if I'm putting no fuel on it and it's still fueling, then it can't be me.
2: Well, that's the exact same belief I had. It's like, you know what, when somebody has this much energy to burn, I'm grateful that I'm the safe place for them to burn it out. That's what I kept on saying is, you know, it's okay. If you can't find a safe place to vent, this is the perfect place to do that because you're giving us loads of content to work through. And that's how I kept on saying it. You know, I'm like, you're being a great role model for me to like display all my beliefs and to help people navigate conflict. So thank you for being that. Just kept on thanking her. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was a powerful lesson, but I was tired. I was feeling defeated. I definitely had my story of shame, you know, like what did I do? What karmic behavior did I do that caused this to happen? You know, like you have the stories, you are human, you know, but you do, you just have to know that, at some point, this is a valuable lesson that empathy and compassion just needed to go into the space and more so directed at myself. I had to be
1: very empathetic and compassionate I just to all, myself. all about me. None of yeah, that it was, had anything to do with my spouse or yeah. I had another radio um, experience where a girl that sat in front of me in kindergarten got a hold of my shows and started posting what a bully I was to her in kindergarten. Oh, interesting. And so, you know, I did like you the high road for a couple months of just. I'm so sorry, I don't remember. But for whatever I did, I'm very sorry. You know, I I don't. Thank you for being the teacher you were in my life. You know, what can you say? Right. What can you say? (laughs) But at some point, I'm just like, okay, done, done, blocked, 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 blocked. You know, and 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 you know, at some point, because I think there are some people that just. Keep they need
2: to be seen. They just need to be they seen. And need, that, that and
1: you're using me to be seen or your girl was using That's, you to that's be seen. exactly the reality.
2: I came to with the whole thing is I stopped giving any, um, I, I actually stopped the first, after the first couple, she posted like four or five times in the beginning. And I did it a couple times where I said, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Thank you so much for sharing. You've been great medicine for us to learn from. And after the fifth one, I said, no more. Yeah. She did it for years. But after the fifth post, I decided to let her just have a voice of herself and let her share. And I never took it down because my belief was if somebody else feels this way, it's okay. They can share it. And somebody in you it's know so fascinating is a lot of people were posting in there saying, you sounds like you need a therapist. Right. Like, you know, like I've never seen Tamara do that. So I'm not even sure. you like, you must really hate this. Part. You must really hate Tamara. I get private messages from people saying, does someone have it out for you? Or like, are you I do need like support? Are you okay? And I said, Oh no, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. You don't even need to participate. Cause I truly believe the more we fed into the attention of it, she would hold on to it. Yeah. And so I, and it was really fascinating because I had a large community supporting me to navigate it, but it's still very like you do, it's almost impossible to not feel Personal about it. Oh, you can because it's
1: totally direct. Even though they're using you to to propel themselves, it's still mm-hmm. they're still using you, so it is personal. So my
2: my situation, literally that specific. I'm just going to go ahead and say what what basically happened. Basically, I went through a divorce, and this was a person who did the the finalization of um, the taxes and doing the paperwork. And I guess um, you know, after we were done, she felt that. She decided to take sides with my ex through the divorce. And so it became all of a sudden where she wanted to make me look a certain way. And yes. it was a Same very thing interesting
1: thing. thing. Me down To a person that was very close to the divorce, took sides yeah. and decided she and it- was going to take me down.
2: Yeah. And I just looked at it and I said, and I, that's why I'd said during even the posting period, I say, I understand you're very disappointed with me and some of the things that you may see that I've done, but I think you're missing some big information and it's okay that you feel that way. I'm okay with you thinking of me that way because we can't, our job in this life is not to change everyone's way that they view us. There's nothing we can do about that. We can't get in their heads and change the way they see us, but we can change the way we perceive the experience by our own ownership of our emotions and our own experiences. And so I, at that time, was very diligent about saying to myself, We've all made mistakes and we continue to do things differently. Um, And the divorce was a very traumatic experience in my life. I learned so much. I'm so grateful, never wanted to have divorce, but I so value connection and love and cherish the experience that I had. I loved being married. It was an amazing experience. And, you know, you can't make someone else join you in a journey if they chose to leave. You just can't. There's nothing you can do about that. And so I always took the, the concept of, it's okay, it's, it's not that I did anything wrong. It was just time for someone to go off and do something different. And, and that's a very hard thing when you plan on joining a life with someone and going old with them, but you also embrace this idea of it, you know, sometimes things are forever and sometimes they're not and there's you season. with that. There are seasons mm-hmm. there's phases there's seasons Some, and, sometimes there is and you know it's, it's a beautiful thing and like a couple um, months ago that my ex actually came to me and said you know I'm just I'm really sorry for the way I handled that it wasn't fair I made you the bad guy but um, I'm grateful that you let me go through that because I learned more about myself for doing that and He said, you have every right to hate me forever. And I said, I don't hate you. I will always love you forever because you you are my life choice partner and I can't unlove something. I don't have an ability.
1: Right. I, but I, I do
2: I do respect that you decided to do something different. Do I love what you did? No, it's so much. <laughs> right. But but I also can celebrate the idea of that you needed that to learn more about yourself. And that's that's all there's to it. It's not personal. I think we spend a lot of time making things personal that don't oh, that's what I'm different.
1: saying. Is so much of stuff, yeah. especially, you know, for me, I went through a high conflict divorce for years. And mm-hmm. I one of the salvations was most of this had nothing to do with me. Yeah. You know, and when you love a person and you see the way they handle things and if they handle them really badly, which happens in a lot of divorces, do I like the way my divorce is never
2: easy? I'm sorry. Do I like the
1: way he handled it? Absolutely not. Do I like the way he exited the marriage? Absolutely not. Do I understand it? Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
1: can look at his current wife now and go, she is a much better partner to him than I could ever be. They're more in alignment with their values. They're more in alignment with their, their desires, the things they like to do, you know, Mm -hmm. just, you know, it just didn't work and that's okay. But I think the less we personalize probably 90% of the things that happen to us, the better. I would
2: agree. Yeah, I do. I think that there's also a lot of value in recognizing you had to go through contrast to learn what values mean most to you. Um, I don't, I don't think everything, anything's on accident. I do believe that it's all um, divinely created to help you live to your best self. And so if you're willing to not, you know, to look at everything from a neutral perspective, you can start to really shift your ideas and start to see things more of like, wow, that was a really intense experience. (laughs) Don't want to do that one again, but I am so grateful for the lessons. Thank you. <laughs> Moving right. on.
1: You know? well, there's a price to freedom. Let's be honest. There's mm-hmm. a price to freedom. Like, you know, are we willing to pay it? We look at our military. There's a price for freedom. You know, but there is also a price for freedom too. You know, a lot of people choose to stay married, and they don't want to pay the price for freedom. And it doesn't have to be a negative price, but there is a price. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tamara, I love talking to you. We blew through this hour like super fast. I can't wait to hear you back on and talk about all other things under the sun because here's the thing. I don't expect any listener to agree with me. I don't expect any listener to agree with you, but I love that for this hour, you came together with us. Just like if we were all sitting around a table talking about something, we're here just to give you things to think about. And if you are being bullied by another parent or a teen mom or a school mom, which I really didn't realize happened as much as it did. Oh my gosh. I've I had it. oh crazy! crazy. So <laughs> I got high school done, done do in high school. I still got bullies like because seriously, yeah, that's <laughs> a big one. All right, you guys. tamara where can people find out
2: more about you? i um, actually just go to my website Blinkenship dot com and I, I I can spell it for you. T a m r a b as in boy, l a n k e n s h i p and uh, just go ahead and click for a free call and we can sit down and visit and see how we can shift some of the issues you're dealing with.
1: We love that. TamraBlankenship.com. You'll be glad you did. We'll be back again next week.
0: From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be.